you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. You know, I have a vision uh, of what we're going to continue to do as a church, as we want to continue to plant. And I know some of you are out there thinking, man, that sure is a lot to do in the next six months. You know what? By man's standards it may be, but can I tell you, I know that God has put that upon our heart. From day one, we have wanted to be a sending church. We've wanted to send people out. And God is bringing that to fruition. And we want to continue. Uh, I'm excited about each of these plants. I'm excited about what we're going to be doing in Tanzania. And if God opens the doors, uh, we want to continue to send people over there. So you need to be praying about maybe if you need to spend ten days, two weeks, a month, whatever God calls you to do, and we will help send you over there. Uh, if God puts that upon your heart, we're going to look at uh, doing some clean water wells. Uh, we're going to look at doing some things educationally and hopefully adopting that village if God permits and if everything works out. So uh, we're excited about what God's going to be doing in the days ahead as, con- as, long- as far as what we continue to do here as we plant churches in this area and around the country and participate in the mission opportunities that God has given us. You'd be praying about how God would have you be a part of that. One of the things that we know, just as you look at the life of Paul, there were uh, God provided a, a window of opportunity for him. Uh, he also uh, provided an obligation, as he called him, and uh, called him to go and to share the good news of Christ. And we know that he also encountered opposition. So some of you may have heard a call at some point in your life or called recently, but you've come up against opposition. Can I tell you, that doesn't mean it's not God. Matter of fact, a lot of times that means that it is God. And He never promised that it would be easy. Uh, but sometimes for us, it's the encountering of the difficulties that God uses to mature us and to show others that the love and the power of Christ is real. So I challenge you and encourage you uh, with the call that God has placed in your life. We're going to look at a title I call Mission Invitation as we look at the wedding banquet. In chapter 22, beginning with verse 1, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now, as we go through this, you'll see the king is representative of God. Uh, the son is representative of Christ, the Messiah who came and, and, and who will come again, as we know. Then you see the servants are those who went out and shared of the good news, shared of the coming of Christ, though who preached uh, the gospel of repentance like John the Baptist. So we see, and then the wedding banquet is that coming of the Messiah. He sent His servant to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. He sent out servants to go, those to go and to tell that the banquet is here. Matter of fact, there was a belief in the matter of fact from the Jewish Talmud, which is an extra biblical writing that the Jews would use to kind of interpret and add commentary to the Old Testament. And in the Talmud, it said that when the Messiah would come, that there would be a great banquet. So as Jesus is speaking here, they most assuredly know that he's speaking about the Messiah, and he's telling about the wedding banquet here. And in the Jewish culture, outside of uh, the celebrate religious celebrations, this was the most significant event that could happen in Jewish culture. It would be the wedding, the wedding banquet. And it would start off with an engagement where people would begin to court. And then the betrothal period, which actually you were legally bound. It's where Mary and Joseph were. And the only way that you could legally separate at that point was uh, if the other partner had been found to have committed adultery. 
And then the wedding celebration, the wedding feast, the banquet that they're talking about here. And this gives the instance of the king who's doing it for his son. So it would have been the most magnificent of all banquets. A great honor to have been called and come to participate in this banquet. And many had already known about it. They had been told about it because they were a part. They knew when the couple was engaged and then then they would know uh, about the betrothal period so they would know exactly when the wedding was coming. So they had already been informed. They had already been invited. But now the king in his mercy sends out another invitation and tells them, come, come to the banquet. But many do not respond. Many, it tells us, refuse to come. In verse 4, then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. You know, I remember when I was a boy growing up and my mom would come out and tell us and she'd say, hey boys, come on, uh, dinner is ready and you need, or dinner's getting close to ready, you need to go ahead and go get ready. And, you know, usually we just keep playing a lot of times. And then she'd say, go wash your hands, I'm going to have it ready in just a couple of minutes. We keep playing. And then she'd say, it's ready. First come, first serve. When it's gone, you don't get any more. And we'd all run in because there was four men in our family. And uh, we, we would take off because we knew, okay, it's ready now. And that's, in a sense, what the king does. He said, I, I've told you about this day coming, and I've, I've invited you to come. Now it's ready. It's here. It's here. The Messiah is here. The wedding, the banquet is transpiring right now. Come. But many, the Scripture tells us, said no thanks. Matter of fact, it says in verse 5, they paid no attention and went off one to his bill and another to the business. I'm trying to make some money right now. Not really interested. The rest seized his servants and mistreated them and killed them. And we know that some of the prophets were killed. We know that John the Baptist, as he preached the message of repentance, was beheaded. He was killed for his message and for his preaching of the good news of the coming Messiah. The king was enraged, and so he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. In 72 A.D., we know just a couple of decades later, we know that the city of Jerusalem is destroyed. Titus comes in in the Roman army, and they destroy Jerusalem. Remember, we talked about a few weeks ago, if you just come a chapter before, Jesus weeps as He looks over the city of Jerusalem because they don't recognize that it is He, the Messiah. Yeshua HaMessiah is here. And He weeps because they don't recognize it. And He knows that He will be taken. He will be unlawfully tried. That He will be beaten. And that He will be crucified. He will be killed. And He sees this. And He knows this. And He weeps for Jerusalem because He knows that because of their rejection of the Messiah, that ultimately their demise will come and the city will be destroyed, and many of them shall be killed. And then he said to his servants in verse 8, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited do not deserve to come. Israel has been the chosen light to the nations. They weren't exclusively the ones that could come to know Yeshua. They weren't exclusively the ones that could have a relationship with God. They were to be the missionary nation. They were to be the light that was to shine to other nations so that other nations would see that Jehovah, Yahweh, is God and come to Him. They were to share the good news. But they had become very exclusive. They had begun to think that it was all about them. And so, what does God do? He removes them 
as the chosen nation. He removes them as that light. And we see that in this parable here. He says, they don't deserve to come. In verse 9, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. Anyone that's out there. Invite them and bring them. It doesn't matter what nationality. It doesn't matter what their economic group is. They're all invited to come. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people that they could find both good and bad. Both good and bad. You know, there was the belief by many of the Jews that those who were prostitutes, those who were pagans, they were not good people and you shouldn't even be around them. And here's the king saying, bring them all in. Doesn't matter what your past, doesn't matter what your sin, doesn't matter what you own, doesn't matter if you're a slave, or if you're rich, or if you're poor, doesn't matter. Come. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now, incidentally, and I know some of you are going to differ with me, uh, you know, I, I have gone through this little journey of Calvinism versus Arminianism, and I actually have a position that's not either one of those. Uh, for those of you who want to fight over it. Uh, but, you know, as I look at this parable, let me tell you quite frankly, I think that God, definitely, I believe in election that some are elected. We know the nation of Israel was elected. We know John the Baptist. We know Paul. Some people were chosen. But God opens up the window of heaven, the doors of heaven for all who would come. And I believe He's opening it right here. I think there's a beautiful parable about how God desires, like He says in First Peter, that not any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He says, let them all come to my banquet. Any that would come. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get into here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. He didn't have anything to say. Here's the situation. Here's a king, and so when they would have banquets, this is commonly what would occur. Uh, those who had the clothing could come, but it, particularly when they would come to an affluent banquet like this, particularly a king's court, they would provide clothing for them. Wedding attire would be provided for them. And so uh, when they came in, they could go to that room, they could receive the robe or whatever type of garment it was that indicated they were there to celebrate. But there's an individual who's come in at this point, and he chooses for whatever reason not to wear the wedding garments. He chooses not to take the king's clothing. And he decides to just come on in. And when the king finds him, he says, Friend, why are you not wearing the attire? Uh, the provisions have been made. Why have you chosen not to? And the man had no answer. And so the Bible tells us that they bound him and tied him and threw him out. I think that's a picture right there for us to really heed. There are many who say, I'm going to come to God on my own terms. I'll go to church sometimes. Uh, I'm not interested in that baptism stuff. I'm not interested in trying to learn. I'm not interested in participating and giving and serving. Matter of fact, I'm good enough just like I am. And I'll make it just like I want to go. I, I want to go to heaven and I'm good enough and I'm going on my own terms. And here's a picture of the king coming and saying, you know, you think your clothes are good enough. You think that your deeds are good enough. But let me tell you, your, your clothes are like filthy rags to me. You're going to have to be clothed in my righteousness, in my forgiveness, and you aren't good enough. You, can't, you don't have enough money to buy these clothes. You can't be good enough. You can't work hard enough. It can only be given by me. 
And if you choose not to receive the righteousness of Christ Jesus, the sacrifice that's been applied for you, then you will be cast out into the darkness. That's exactly the picture that is being given to us here. And then he goes on and he makes a quote that many debate. But he says this in verse 14, For many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited in the Semitic language there. That word many is very inclusive. All those who would is a better way to say it. All who would are, are, are invited, but few are chosen. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, when I was working at my last church, it was a pretty big church, uh, most of you know, and um, there would be times during the month that I was assigned to uh, handle anybody that came in and had a request or had a need. And many would come in and they would have requests for money, uh, whether it be for uh, food. And if they needed food, we could always provide food right there for them. Sometimes it was for housing, electricity, uh, automobile, whatever it was. And we had a process that we would uh, take them through and we'd say, here, first of all, tell me what you need. Tell me where you are. Tell me where you live. Tell me about yourself. Uh, we'd take the opportunity to share the gospel. And then we would, um, we would give them a form. We, we want you to fill this out and look at it real carefully and fill this out carefully and then bring it back to us later this evening or um, tomorrow. And uh, some would do that. They'd come back and we would almost always help them. But some would say, you know, I need it right now. I need, you. I need money right now. I don't need food. Uh, and sometimes they'd say they need food. And we'd go, well, let me get over here and give you some food. No, I need money and I need it now. And we'd say, well, we need you to walk through this process with us. And sometimes people literally get up and just be mad. And they'd say, you're supposed to help me. You're a church. You call yourself a Christian. And you know what? We didn't help people like that. You may think that's rude. Uh, but we didn't help people like that. We helped those who were willing to recognize that they were receiving a gift. They had not earned it. They didn't deserve it. And we were going to help them just because the grace of God that had been extended to us. And those who were unwilling, they were not chosen, so to speak. But they chose to not be chosen. That's a picture there of what's occurring. The grace of God is extended to all, but not all receive. Just as he told about in the parable, some just say, I'm not interested. Some become angry when you share it with them. They don't want to hear about it. The picture here is everyone is called, but not everyone chooses to respond. You see, and we respond to the grace and the forgiveness of Christ. You see, we either go through the cross or we don't come at all. Many don't want to go through the cross. They don't want to come to the place where God says, God resisted the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. They don't want to humble themselves and say, I recognize, God, that You are the Lord and the Savior and that I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. And unless You extend Your grace to me through what Your Son has done, unless You pay the price, I can never pay the debt. I ask You to forgive me and to receive me. There's the picture. But many of us are too prideful Many of us just want to do it our own way. That's why he says, many are called, few are chosen. Few choose to respond the way of the cross. We've got a wonderful opportunity to give people all over the country here, locally, nationally, and internationally, an opportunity to respond. Just like you are given the opportunity to respond to the Gospel. To be chosen question is, first of all, have you received that gift? Have you responded to that invitation to the banquet? Secondly, will you help others to be invited? 
Will you be that servant that goes out on behalf of the King and invites those? Recognizing that sometimes it will be opposition. You know, as Monica goes into Tanzania into a primary Muslim community, there's going to be opposition. As Daniel, go, Daniel and Mindy go into Arizona, there are going to be people in those neighborhoods. As Brian and Mandy go into the Corinth area, there's going to be opposition. There's always going to be opposition. The question is not where there's opposition. The question is, are we going to be faithful? Are we going to respond to the King's invitation? And I'm asking you that question today. You know, there was a man named uh, Cleve Collins who uh, in New York uh, here just a few months ago was reading a paper and uh, he was 65 years old and he was at a grocery store and there was a manhole that somebody had left just kind of half open and he stepped in it and fell in. It was only five feet, but he fell and, and uh, he broke a couple of ribs and he couldn't get up and he said he was down there for four hours and he kept calling people and he said people would walk by and he'd go, help me, help me. And he said some people would wave at him. Uh, some people would pretend like they didn't see him. He said finally he was able, even though he had the broken ribs, to, to get to his cell phone uh, in his pocket. And he called 911. And finally somebody came and got the, the paramedics and the police finally came and got him out. But he said, I, I just couldn't believe that I continually called and no one would respond. Can I tell you that people all over the world are saying, Help! Help me. I need help. I'm lost. I don't have a purpose. I need somebody. I need something. Would you help me? There are those in Corinth that are saying, Help. There are those in Arizona that are saying, Help. There are those in Flower Mound that are saying, Help. There are those in Tanzania that are going, Help me. The question is, what will God's people do? Let's pray. Sweet Jesus, thank You that while we were yet sinners, You died for us. God, I thank You for these men and women who have chosen to hear Your call and to go. And God, for those of us here today, Lord, I pray that we would pray that same prayer. God, what do You want to do with me? Here I am, send me. God, do You want me to go with them? God, do You want me to do something new? God, do You want me to minister in my neighborhood? Do You want me to work with CCA? God, do You want me to work with a retirement home? God, do You want me to work with the children of Rock Point? God, do You want me to come out and mow the grass here? God, what is it that You're calling me? God, I, I am willing. God, I am ready. Whatever God has placed upon your heart, wherever He is calling you, and I can promise you, He's calling you to a purpose. Will you say yes this morning? Will you respond? Maybe it's going to begin with you being faithful to pray for one of these ministries. Faithful to support. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I can tell you this. If you're a believer, He wants you to do more than just soak and sit. He wants to use you. And you're not going to ever experience the fullness of a relationship with Christ unless you participate as He moves, as He works, as He transforms lives. Will you do that today? For those of you who don't know Christ, He invites you to come and to sit at His banquet table and to receive of His goodness. Would you come today?